It is that time again. And actually, in podcasts, it doesn't matter what time it is. It no matter where you are out there, morning, noon, or night, uh, you have found When All Before the Wind. And I thank you for that. A lot of stuff to talk about on today's show, uh, and, and we'll get into all of that. We're talking Champions League. U.S. roster is out. Greg Berhalter, they're already screaming at him. I don't know what we're yelling about! They, no matter what the guy does, there's always going to be somebody out there that thinks uh, that he is doing things wrong. We will actually bring in Jeff Carlisle today to, to give us some insight on what has really happened behind the curtain because guess what? There's a lot going on behind the curtain. Is Barcelona and Real Madrid, are they just terrible? Oh, no! We suck again! Are they just, what happened? They decided that they wanted to come out and create this Super League, and now I know why. They wanted to play against each other because they started to figure out that they were running out of money and everybody was, was about ready to start beating them on a regular basis. What we saw out of Barcelona against Benfica in the Champions League was, to me, really telling. It was so funny. Like, if you really can just get, get, get your mind around this. I was watching the game, and I felt like I was watching a first-tier, second-tier Spanish team. And I was thinking to myself, man, this Memphis Depay guy, if he keeps playing like this, maybe he'll... he'll Maybe get to play for a big club someday. And then I realized, oh my God, I'm watching Barcelona. And it's not even Barcelona. It's, it's just not even the same thing. And then if you look at what happens to Madrid, you watch the game. Sharif was actually very good. You know, they, they clearly didn't have the ball a lot, but two brilliant goals. And the Spanish kings uh, fall on the sword. And that is uh, also going to be a, a huge uh, part of today's show because I want to go through all of the Champions League's results. I got to stop with my infatuation with Chelsea. I want to break up. I don't think you're the one for me. Uh, that was short-lived. That was like, that was like the, the best first date ever that turned into a, I don't know if I ever want to see this person again. Boy, Chelsea. They, they just, they, they, they lose to Juventus and uh, they don't look the same as well. But look, I, the first things first, I want to get into the U.S. roster. It has been announced. And as I said, when I need to know what's going on on the inside for the U.S. national team, I go to my friend Jeff Carlisle. Jeff Carlisle is coming to us from the Bay Area. Beautiful little piece of the world. Uh, so, Jeff, thanks for being with us. The list is out, and there, there's already been a reaction. The U.S. national team is going to get back uh, uh, underway with their qualification effort. Let me get your uh, – because you were a part of the, of, of the actual press conference. You got to hear uh, Greg. I did not. Uh, but let's get your initial thoughts. What, what do you think of this team, and what are our chances going in? Under the circumstances, I mean, given the limitations that he's been faced with, um, I like the roster. I mean, I think by and large, the people that you would expect or the players you would expect to be on it are there. I mean, there's always going to be a few quibbles. I was a little surprised that Scally, uh, the, the Borussia Mönchengladbach defender, didn't get called in just because he's, he's versatile. He, he's shown that he can play on both sides of, of the field, uh, left or right. And I will grant you that he has not yet been part of you know, a Burhalter camp um, or any national team camp at senior level. But, you know, I, I just thought maybe this was a good time to, to kind of bring him in. Um, some mild surprise at Walker Zimmerman, just maybe seeing him slide down the depth chart a little bit. I, I think he's had a little bit of bad luck, some bad timing with injuries. And then uh, it's not so much one player, but maybe the type of player that wasn't included is a guy like Daryl DK or Jordan Peefock, kind of that big battering ram of a forward 
you know, the kind of guy that if you, if you need a goal late in the game and, and you're pumping crosses into the box, you know, a guy who can use his strength and his smash size heads with to people. kind of overpower people. <laughs> yeah, just exactly. Smash, smash exactly. Heads with That's, this is qualification. Yeah, That's brute force. The other thing about the qualification uh, that I want to remind everybody out there is it's not always going to be pretty. Results matter, and it, it, we got to get to the finish line. But you did kind of mention Scully in there. And I, I, do you think the reasoning is, and did, did Greg maybe allude to it during the, the press conference, that he hasn't been a part of the group enough? So maybe it's a trust thing at this point? Yeah, I don't think there's the largest body of work, you know, in terms of, of his play. I mean, granted, he spent the first part of the year over uh, in Germany and, and played with Gladbach's uh, youth teams, the, the U19s, and a little bit with the reserves. But I think that was always part of the plan, uh, you know, for him and the club to kind of get him acclimated, get him used to his surroundings. Cause it, it can be, you know, a shock as you well know, having yep. experienced it yourself. So granted there were some injuries in the Gladback lineup this year and he, and he stepped right in and, and performed pretty well. And um, I think when you're thinking long-term also a 23 person roster, a 23 player roster versatility is key. Yep. And so I think that's what he would provide. And especially with, you know, Serginho Des best position still kind of being up in the air. Is he better on the left? Is he better on the right? Granted, he played recently for Barcelona on the left, had a good game in the league, but you know, we'll see how things shake out with the national team. He, he's had some up and down performances for sure. Yeah. So I, th I think the other piece of that, that people need to realize and being a part of the national team, as long as I, I was, I mean, sometimes you're like four or five dinners away from being a good team, not four or five practices. And that might be Greg's hesitation. And look, if he makes the world cup team, he won't be the first guy to make the team without even being in a qualifier. So everybody calm down. That, that's not uh, the end of the world. You know, Pablo Mastroianni is a great example of that. He ends up making the team, and he never even played in a qualifi uh, qualification match. But So we've been talking about this because you and I are friends. We talk all the time. The reaction of Twitter, the Twitterverse, it seems to be this faction of people that, that and if we're talking about Greg, they never wanted him to be the coach in the first place. So they're the, always the ones that are screaming at the rain, how dare you put an MLS player in there as opposed to anybody playing in Europe because that would be a better option because, of course, Twitter knows better. But, I mean, how do you think Greg's handling all this? Is he, do you think he pays attention at all to that, that noise? Or, or does he seem to really have a plan that he's, he's willing to execute? I think he can't probably help but pay some attention to it. Do I think it's completely occupying his thoughts? No. I mean, and I think, you know, he understands that these qualifiers from a managerial standpoint are new for him too, just like they are for some of his players. Um, and I think you saw in this roster how he's kind of learning from the past. I mean, he, he got himself into a situation during the last window where, you know, between injuries and, and overall fitness, you know, Tyler Adams had to, to do a stint at right back. And so you look at the, the breakdown positionally this time and there's an extra center back and there's an extra outside back. And so, and, you know, there's an extra, it's a 27 player roster instead of 26. And so you, you see him learning his lessons. I think, you know, he, he's growing into this job. Um, could the USSF have hired someone with a little bit more experience? Sure. But, um, you know, I think five points from those three games, it was not the worst thing to happen. Um, I do think it's important this window, given the opponents and given where these games are taking place, I've got to believe that seven, seven points has got to be the minimum that, that should be expected. I mean, they've gone down to Panama in the past and gotten results. And I think that's uh, very doable again. So, um, but I, you know, I think, I think Berhalter is doing a, a solid job and I, you know, obviously, yes, that starting lineup against Honduras, 
I mean, it was almost like he was throwing stuff against the wall and hoping it would stick. But right. to his credit, it, it, he made adjustments at halftime and he brought in the guys that were that were ended up being difference makers. And he handed a debut to Ricardo Pepe that turned out fantastically. So, you know, we'll see if he's the the long sought after striker that uh, that fans and, and and the team have been looking for. But um, you know, that that move in particular. Uh, turned out to be a master stroke. It, it did. I, and I was gonna, that's where I was going to go next because, I mean, how, how fair is this? He scored again. I, I have my issues with maybe that goal was offside against Sporting, but the kid is scoring. He's in form. We, everybody was screaming at, at, that got to play him, got to play him, and then Greg does. He does make the, the adjustments that you alluded to. We scored four in a second half in a, in a place that we've never been able to do that before. Whether he got credit for it or not, he still made some bold moves and they worked out. How much pressure can we put on this kid? Because, you know, you got to ride the hot hand. You have this guy's a horse. He is playing well. And I have had no interaction with him to see how he's handling it. And no one can really know what's inside his young mind. But up to this point, it's been phenomenal. Is it too much, though? Is this next set of games, if it doesn't go particularly well, is it too much to say that, oh, okay, now the kid isn't as good? We, we can't do a Josh Sargent on this kid and give up on him that fast. Yeah, I, I think just in talking to him around the national team games and even around the MLS all-star game. I mean, Pepe is one of these guys that just has confidence. He just believes that, that he's going to score. And it, you know, it's, you know, especially in talking to people in Dallas who have, have watched him kind of rise through the ranks. I mean, he's, he's just scored at every single level and it was no accident. I mean, granted FC Dallas has struggled quite a bit this season, but it was no accident that once he got put into the lineup, the team started to do better. Right. And so even if this doesn't go well, I think you, you still continue to bring him in. I think you still continue to show some faith in him. And, you know, I, I think Burhalter, you know, if it comes to that, we'll explain to him, Hey, it's, it's not always going to be a, a linear progression. You know, th- there's going to be some ups and downs, but, I think by continuing to call him in, continuing to put him on the field in, in certain situations, whether he starts or not, I think that that kind of faith is going to maintain his confidence level. And listen, th- th- this guy just has a knack around the box of, of being able to put the ball away. And, you know, you talked about Josh Sargent, you know, for so long, the the comment, the narrative around him was, well, he's doing all the little things well, you know, link play and hold up play and making sure that, you know, that the team's attack doesn't doesn't stall with him. But that's always been a little bit of cover because at some point you've right. got to put the ball in the net. And, the, and my biggest complaint about Sargent is he just has not looked goal dangerous. Even when he's had semi-decent looks at goal, he hasn't connected sharply with the ball. Or he, you know, he hasn't showed the, the requisite patience when he's running with the ball in attack. So mm-hmm. I just think – and he has been given a lot of chances. And so I, I think Greg Berhalter quite rightly – so okay, we, we gotta we gotta see if somebody else can can do this. And and you know he gave Peacock some chances. DK had some chances in the Gold Cup, but you know he, I think he's got to ride the hot hand. And, yep. and right now that's Pepe. All right. Well, you I'm a li- I'm gonna go a different direction because there's one other guy that I want to get your thoughts on. Uh, Weston McKinney. We all know the story. We know that he's 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 had kind of a tumultuous year, if you will. But did did Greg handle this one appropriately? In terms of the length of suspension, I think yes. I think. You know, when when you commit the kinds of infractions that, that McKenney did, you know, basically bringing someone into inside the bubble who wasn't supposed to be there right. and, and violating protocol on multiple occasions. And listen, if this had happened two years ago, I don't know that it would have been that much of an issue. But in, in the era of COVID, yeah. 
you've got to take these kinds of things seriously. And so to just kind of have that attitude of kind of recklessly possibly compromising, you know, the, the, the roster in terms of people catching COVID, right. I, I think a statement had to be made. And I think Berhalter did the right thing by sending him home. At the time, I was a little surprised that it was two games instead of the one, but I had no problem with two games, and, and two games sounds about right. Yeah. Um, it was a little interesting to see or hear Burhalter yesterday talk about how, you know, speak of the overreaction uh, from fans and media. And I, I think for the most part, McKinney, the, the criticism he got, that was deserved. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't think... And listen, on a certain level, I understand that Berhalter's got to protect his guy. He's got to stick up for his guy mm-hmm. and and try to bring him back into the fold. You know, I, I think Berhalter got that spot on in, yeah. in terms of his decision-making, the way he handled it, and, and now the decision to bring McKenney back. Yeah, let's hope he performs, too. I mean, I hope that the kid, it's, it's a lesson learned. I screwed up. Let me recalculate here. Let me be a part of the group and just, just go back to what you were great at, just fighting and being a great player. That, that, that's really all we want out of him. Now, before I let you go, I have to ask you this. Where the hell do you watch the game? I would love to watch a game with you at some point. Do you watch it at home? Do you go to a bar? Where do you go? What do you do? Oh, I watch it at home. Okay. I watch it, well, when I'm watching games, I mean, when I'm not on site, I mean, last window I was actually, I was in El Salvador and I was, uh, you know, I was in Nashville for the Canada game. I did not go to Honduras, of course. So <laughs> I, I missed the best game. It's funny how that works. Um, so this time it, it, it'll be the same. Um, my colleague, Kyle Bonagura, uh, who's a college football writer ostensibly, but is super knowledgeable about the game of soccer. Uh, he's going to be going to Austin for the Jamaica game, and then I'm going to handle the last two. So, um, you know, it's it's a little bit of a trade off. I mean, <laughs> these triple fixture windows, unreal. You know, they're it, it can mean a long time away from home, whether you're a player or a coach or or a media person. It's even so, hard to um, travel as as a part of the media, not not even just as a player. So. Well, all right. Well, it's been great to right. see your face. I don't know if you could see how large it was on our big screen here, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's always uh, a pleasure to talk to you. I will catch up with you at some point after probably the first game. Hopefully we won't endure uh, another Twitter disaster where people are losing uh, their minds at halftime and, and, and Greg has to fix it. But uh, I like your predictions. What do you think? You, you alluded to it before. What's a success story? How many points? Seven. seven, seven. I mean, it's you know, we all, we all know they've got to win their home games. I mean, I think that's that's kind of the a little bit of the cloud that's kind of hanging over the team is, is excuse me, not being able to get that result at home against Canada. Um, that, that one hurt. And you know, they, they lost two home games in the last cycle. You know, to, to Costa Rica and to Mexico. And so, you know, there's just a little bit of angst, I think, in terms of you know, can this team take care of business at home? And if they do that, this this window, then I think that will ease a little bit of the pressure. And there's absolutely no reason why they can't get a result down in Panama. I, I think that's doable. They've done it before. Um, so yeah, seven points, I think is uh, the minimum that should be. All right, I'm going to hold you to that. I mean, it's always to me, the case is right. I never look at the points. I always look at the standings and, 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 and what kind of separation you have and you, and you, you can't help but watch us be a scoreboard watcher. All the other games are so relevant. When there's a tie going on in Mexico, you're like, oh, come on, whoever it is, hang on. Yeah, take those points away from them. But either way, always enjoy talking to you. I love you, my brother. And I will be checking in with you probably after the first game. All right. Sounds good, Eric. Anytime. All right, right, Jeff. Be well. Thanks again, Jeff Carlisle. You can find his stuff on ESPN.com. Very good. He follows all of this stuff, and he's he's so well-connected. I I did want to get more into the Weston McKinney conversation because 
there was a lot of talk about that. And what Jeff was alluding to there was how a coach sometimes has to back his guy. You know, you got to bring a guy back into the mix. So he, he acted up. You know, we all know what happened. He, he brought somebody into the bubble. Wasn't supposed to do that. Put everybody in jeopardy, which was, which was poor, a poor decision. It's poor judgment. And the kid's 23 years old. But to just, just kind of throw it under the carpet as if to say, yeah, young players make mistakes. 23, that's on the edge of, okay, buddy. You've made six or seven of these mistakes now. We, we need you to, to figure it out. I actually have to eat some crow, too, because I thought he was going to go back with his tail between his legs. Allegri didn't like him, wasn't going to play him, and he was, it was really going to be suffering. And I worried about whether he was going to be uh, up for selection for the U.S. national team coming into this game simply because he wouldn't have gotten enough minutes. But that actually didn't happen. He, he did get sufficient minutes. And he made the list, as did Tyler Adams, which is, which is a good thing. Only 12 minutes, I believe, in that Champions League game, but, uh, but still uh, enough. I called him the Fab Four in the last podcast, and I, I'm, I'm already shunning myself for doing that. I wish I would have never gone that route, but uh, if I've created something, I apologize in advance. One of the things you notice about my conversation with Carlisle, no mention of Christian Pulisic, no mention of Gio Reyna. And I think that that's healthy. I think that's very healthy that this team can, can believe uh, that they're in a position uh, to do well uh, in this competition without the likes of Christian Pulisic, putting all of that uh, back on his shoulders and Gio Reyna, who's clearly dealing with uh, some injury issues. Because this, this, is, this is maybe me, this is the old guy screaming on the lawn, but it, when you go through a qualification process, especially what we went through in 1996 and seven. I spent the whole damn time hurt. I'd play for my country, I'd lay it all on the line, and I'd get on that plane from wherever and make my way back to San Jose, and I would arrive limping. And it was terrible, it was terrible. And, I said, no, and, and that certainly isn't the pressure that they're under with, with the likes of Chelsea Football Club and Dortmund. That's, that's just not even in the same category. But when you're going through a qualification process, the, the worst thing is getting hurt, with your country and then having to report back to your club and have it you could be completely reassessed you got a whole new set of doctors you got a whole new set of disappointment and and they're looking at you like well welcome back i guess because it's it's just never comfortable the only way it works is, is if you do well the team wins everybody's ha happy and you stay healthy and the reality of that is in a qualification process probably 80 to 85% of the time, that's not going to happen. Meaning all those boxes that I, I want to check aren't going to be checked because you're coming in hurt. You're coming in tired. You're coming in mentally spent. The pressure that, I mean, people are, are screaming about this kid, Pepe. They want Pepe to play. He's on the team. Sergeant is not, which is a good decision by our manager, uh, Greg Berhalter. You gotta bring guys who are in form. You can't hope that they catch form once they get into camp and get in a really important game for the, that we're relying on them to perform and for us to qualify. Now, Jeff alluded to that as well, which I thought was uh, some, some pretty good insight. I was not on the call. I, I, don't, I don't do those kind of calls. Maybe I should do those kind of calls. I used to do those kind of calls. Somebody said something silly to me, silly to me on Twitter about how I handle... Uh, I, why I say certain things that I say, and the truth is, is that I don't, I, I don't have to adhere to that line of thinking. I'm not a part of the machine anymore. I'm not reliant on a, uh, 
free lunch and a media pass. That's not important to me anymore. I actually asked Jeff where he's going to watch the game because I knew he wasn't traveling, but I was kind of hoping he went to a pub. I love just being around people uh, watching a, a national team game. I really do. I go to Al's Garage. If you know where Al's Garage is, you're, you're, you're clearly from Las Vegas and or the Summerlin area. But it's a great place to watch a game. It's, it's, it, it's where I watched uh, the, the Honduras game. So I'll probably make my way back up, up there if I don't get caught up in all my family responsibilities. But there are, are a couple of additions that I did not talk about uh, with Jeff. Matthew Hoppe is one. Now, this is an interesting one because we all saw the energy he brought and the way that he played for the country in the Gold Cup, especially in the final. And, and if you started to really lock in on him, if you will, you could see what an annoyance he is and how he is completely unafraid to go chest to chest with anybody. And, and it, he's got that smirky, cocky smile, which uh, the Mexicans hate, which is the reason why I loved it. I go back to uh, Guchanyewo with that, you know, that look. <laughs> that to me is, is iconic. But I like this, this addition of, of Matthew Hoppe. I think that, that Areola's getting a lot of heat right now because he's an MLS player and nobody on Twitter can handle that. Everybody on Twitter is like, how dare you put a player, uh, not put a player who's playing, playing in Europe on this roster in front of an MLS player. So Sebastian Legette's going to get a lot of heat this week. Or a lot of hate, I should say. Christian Roldan might get some heat. You know, Luca De La Torre comes into the team from the Netherlands. He's only, you know, he's only been a part of the team on three occasions. So that's, that's another one that, uh, not a head scratcher, but it, it can't be the case where everybody out there thinks that if you're in Europe, that's just so much better than anything that you could be doing in Major League Soccer. It, it, it isn't always the case. On most occasions, I must say, it is. Because those games involve promotion and relegation. You can't take your foot off the pedal. You can't. That's, in, in this country, the way that things are structured in a franchise system, you know, it looks like we might even be losing another coach this week. And that's just a, a franchise reacting to some poor results to say, well, let's do something to prove that, that we care. It's not necessarily trying to improve the team immediately so that they don't avoid getting relegated. Put that kind of pressure uh, that, that on you. That's different. That's a whole different way of thinking. And some of the logic is that the guys that are playing in Europe can handle this kind of pressure better than players who are in Major League Soccer. I think Pepe just proved that that's completely false. As young as he is, he has come into this team in, a, in a, an unbelievably important moment. On the road, and all these assumptions that people make about how hard this is and what kind of person you need to be. The one thing that Jeff Carlisle said that stuck out to me is confidence. He is exuding confidence, and he's always had that kind of confidence. If he's playing well, even when he's playing poorly, if he still has that kind of confidence, you keep him in the damn team. You keep him in the team. So look, look at the landscape of, of what just happened. Let's go, let's go through it. Real Madrid lose the Sharif. Two to one. Barcelona gets absolutely spanked by Benfica. It didn't even look like an assimilation of a, of a team that would have, would have ever been put up uh, in the ranks of the top five in the world. They're not even in the top 40 right now. That's, I just don't even see it. And if you listen to the press conferences that Ronald Koeman comes into, and he's basically explaining to this fan base 
look, we don't have any money. I know we just got rid of Leo, but we don't have any money to go out there and get anybody, and we're not going to have any for a while. So just sit back, uh, have another drink, and endure the next eight months because it's going to get rougher. Are you okay? Oh, I'm fine. It's just that life is pointless and nothing matters, and I'm always tired. Also, I can't sleep. I'm overeating. None of my old hobbies interest me. And it was rough to watch. There, I mean, I, I said to a friend of mine, I said, boy, you got Real Madrid and Barca just so average. His immediate response was, no, Barcelona's bad. I'll tell you who's not bad, who's very good right now, was Bayern. Bayern was terrific. 5 nothing against uh, Kiev. So it's logical right at this point to, if, if you really want us to, I hear I'm in Vegas and I do this every once in a while. I'm changing my tune. I'm completely going a different direction. Did I think Chelsea was the best team in the world two weeks ago? But that's how fast things change. They are not. Bayern Munich certainly is. And their manager, uh, Nagelsmann, is, is continuing to impress the hell out of me. I remember his first, uh, his first stance with Hoffenheim coming out of the, the, the youth ranks, which made sense because he was only like 10 years younger than the youth players. And then he ends up becoming the head coach at Hoffenheim, and he had ideas. He, had, he, he, just, he was different. You know, I was doing the show with Fox with Jovan Karowski, and both of us were just thinking, no, too early, too early. Because we, we're still thinking like players, you know, and it's hard when you, you, you have to stand in front of men and give them advice, like the general. You're telling them which, which side of the, the hill to run up, which one you're not going to get shot in. And that's hard to take when the kid's younger than you but you know look the what what he has done his time in in, in Leipzig was absolutely fantastic and and that's just the way it works over there at Bayern when things are going well Flick leaves but he's he's still gonna he's gonna be fine Hansi Flick is a, a wonderful manager he's to do great things for the German national team but pretty terrific stuff from uh from Nagelsmann and of course the last thing to report on that slate uh if you will is the uh if we're talking about successes, we also have to talk about some of the failures of Jesse Marsh. This, this was a rough one. What a week I'm having! Two to one. Sketchy. I, I don't know what happened on that first goal. I mean, it, it, was, it was bizarre. I mean, on, on first look, it looked more offsides than Pepe's goal looked offsides to me. But it ended up, both of them, both of the first two goals had to go to VAR, and then they were miraculously goals somehow. Which starts the conversation of people get, you know, the VAR just messes up. You know, that ability to celebrate because uh, you got to wait, wait to see if it was actually going to count. There's been a couple of goals lately. Even that one by Salah, he, he, he actually thought he was offsides. He had to wait until they told him he was on before he could actually have a real reaction. But I, I said this in the last podcast. I'll say it again. I have no idea. Uh, I had no idea until now who the, who the favorite is, and it's going to be Bayern. We've lived this before. We saw that with Eupankis who had a, a wonderful team with uh, this is Lewandowski's first couple of, uh, couple of minutes with Bayern, of course, with Ribéry and Robin, which, which were two of the best flank players ever played the game. As they were aging, we caught them in some really good moments. I couldn't believe they lost at the, uh, the Bernabeu to, uh, uh, to Jose Mourinho's enter. But still, I think, I think this is a, a resurgence. Just the players that they have, Asane and... Uh, Nagri, this is a this is an unbelievable team, unbelievable team, and I I'll put it out there. I'll, I think that that's if I'm going to throw my my tip to win this thing. If you are a betting man or woman, go with Byron. I mean that's that's usually what we what we say. You can't lose with Byron.
So that's it for the uh, the Champions League. I want to go backwards now because I think it's important and I think it's going to be very relevant because you know, one of the conversations that, uh, uh, several of the conversations that I had with some, some friends, again on Twitter, <whistles> is about this U.S. team. And listening to the reaction of Twitter, it just, it, it, it just went, it went off the cliff again. And my only concern going into uh, this next three set of, of games, because they are important games, and Panama and Jamaica are always problematic for us, as is Costa Rica, but I, I think Panama is a, is a team, if you, Jeff Carla is like, we've always done well there, we, we go there, we've done well, as we should win, and those are all, all, all very positive uh, thoughts to go in, and they do help. Uh, but my concern here is that what happens if we get at halftime and that lineup or that starting lineup, kind of similar to Honduras, isn't to our liking and it's not working again? Are we going to flip out again? Are we going to collectively just flip out as if there's no way that our manager is going to be able to handle this? I mean, that's, that's the way it feels to me. It feels like... We, we are not in a place as a country that we're, we're really backing. We're not supporting our World Cup effort. And it's, it's, it, there's reasons behind it. I get it. We've, we've, we've talked about this in the past. I mean, whether you didn't like the circumstances of how Berhalter got the job in the first place with his brother hired him, and you've never been able to get over that. Well, we need you to get over it, okay? So just get over it right now. And, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Your, your negativity doesn't help. It's just, it's, I've, I've used funny analogies to getting on an airplane with turbulence and needing to be calmed down by, by a pilot. Those are all things that, that uh, I'm trying to help you understand how important it is that, that we stay calm and that we stay supportive. Jeff thinks we're going to get seven points. I would argue that we can, we're going to get nine. We're going to get nine points out of this. And there's going to be people out there who are going to complain. These are the same people who might even make it to heaven and complain that the clouds are just too white for them. That's the way they think. No matter what, you just can't get your arms around a celebration. I had said this before. It's like we should have been standing on our chairs, holding the flag or the banner over our heads. But because it was Greg, we sat back and we gave him the golf clap. Okay, well, yeah, good job. I guess. Come on, that's not being a supporter. That's not. And it's regardless of whether, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to say, and do I believe that Greg Berhalter is the greatest coach? of? No, absolutely not. He's clearly flawed. And he's clearly, as, as, as Jeff Carlisle just alluded to, learning on the job. But we're in a good spot right now. I love how, when the, and the other part of this is, when I, he said points, I said, I said standings. I love it how right now it's, it's, you know, it's, it's equal, equal. But when you go on all of these uh, places to find CONCACAF uh, qualification standings, it says Mexico, Canada, and then the U.S. It's driving people nuts. Good. That's good. Just because geographically it looks correct that Canada is above the United States and then Mexico is on top. They should be underneath us. So that ideally... I would be okay if Canada were above us and Mexico were underneath us when you look at this thing. No, that didn't make sense to anybody because I'm looking at it and you don't understand what I'm talking about, but that's okay. But going into a game like Panama, again, 
again, people, understand, that is not going to be the game you think it's going to be. It's not going to be the lineup that you were expecting. Hell, the, the lineup that you were expecting is still sitting in their houses in Europe. I'm going to actually, th I'll think this out. I'm, I'm going to put my lineup of what I think I would do. I am still a believer in the, the realities of what we have as personnel that a four-back system is not working. It actually, it disallows us from, from being able to be who we are. Now, the, now you're probably asking yourself, well, who the hell are we? There's a reason why uh, Areola has come back into this team. Okay? Th th there's a flat-out reason whether you like him or not. He's fast. He's very fast. And when you get in these games, you have to stretch these defenses. You have to, ha you have to scare them a bit. You can't just pass the ball wide, let that one-on-one -on -one situation formulate, and then say, well, I'm going to go back. I'm really encouraged to see Tim Weah back in the team. Now, he, he missed out on the last three, mainly out of injury. But watching him uh, in the Champions League, watching him at the, he, he looked, he looked apart. He looks, he looks like he's ready to come in and immediately contribute. Now, Brendan Aronson, I, I have never been in this, this, in that boat. I, I, I have, I never got there. I'm sorry. I, I'm trying, and I want this kid to earn it. But man, when he comes into games, he brings an energy, and he just, uh, it just, it's, it's, he doesn't care. It seems he just, he's like, I'm out here to play. And, and I'm going to run until I fall down. By the way, that's the energy you need to bring if you're going to help the United States national team or any team qualify in CONCACAF. Is it, is it necessarily the, the right way to go over in Europe? We've heard our guys alluding to that at times. They, well, I'd rather play against France or, or, or Spain because it's a better game. You know, it's not, it's not, there's not so many variables that, that, that can really screw you up. No, I, I, I get that. I get that. But it's, there, there is a piece of me that just hopes that people can get their arms around the idea that we have to play the game we're in. You have to play a certain way to get out of this. Is this going to be the way it is in the World Cup? Hell no. We're near. It's a completely different vibe. It's a completely different mindset. It's a completely different talent restriction. And there's other necessary components that you have to have to build to, to be ready and prepared to do that. I think Weston McKinney, I think Weston, uh, I think Tyler Adams, I think uh, Gio Reyna, if he can just stay healthy and Pulisic are going to help us at that point. What will happen is a, a player like Pepe is going to help us immensely through this process. And then as soon as we're in the middle of this or we have that opportunity to give him real experience against European teams, he may struggle. And he might come into that locker room and look at the guys around him and say, well, that was different. So we have to be ready for that as well. But I'm, I'm, I am a little bit tired of the, uh, the narrative that our coach is terrible and our coach doesn't know what he's doing. If, if people understood how, many, how much goes into this job, the conversation, even, for example, with Jesse Marsh and Greg Berhalter, to try and discuss a plan. Because they both are invested in the player. One is financially invested, and the other one is really hoping that he can help us uh, get to the next, the next stage. 
So when these two guys are trying to really look at, okay, what do I need? Can I get through this game? I know the last thing in the world they need is to, is to put a guy in harm's way and to ask too much of him. I thought the one guy that they were going to just, you know, bleed dry would have been Tyler Adams because he can handle it. He has always proven that. I said this before on the, on the he's broken every single record possible as far as how his body metabolizes uh, oxygen. He's a machine. And this little, this little hiccup with the calf, I mean, that, that, that actually had me a little bit freaked out. But he's, he's good to go. He's a quick healer. But this is a, look, when we get into the next three games, Jeff says seven. I, I think seven's a fair number, but it might very well be five again. But we can't get to the point, and, and, and all those people that want uh, Greg Berhalter to get fired, the only way that he gets fired is if he loses all three of those games. That's the only way. So stop rooting for that. Okay, just stop rooting against your own country just because you don't like our manager right now. It's really going to be something that you're going to struggle with. And if you have to go spend some time on a couch talking to somebody about it, please go do that. Please go do that. That would be wonderful. Uh, I'm going to get ready for this. The first game, as you know, will be on October 7th, and that's in Austin. That's going to be on a Thursday, which makes it a fun night for me. Sunday, October 10th, we will get Panama. And then, of course... Um, that last one on a Wednesday, the 13th, that'll be in Columbus, which uh, Columbus finally gets a game again, which is, is nice to see. But these three, these three games, we could, I mean, I think, I think it's as sad as this is, we have to really bury Jamaica. But J Jamaica need, is already in a bad spot, a tie and two losses. Th this could really put them out of commission. This could just say, all right, you, and, and, and just put them in the give up category. El Salvador's gonna be problems for everybody. We're gonna like them a lot because they're gonna steal points from other teams, as is Honduras. But we want Costa Rica and Panama to go away as well. So this is a very important, very important three set. Coming in with the right mentality, I want you to believe in this team. I think guys like Roldan are going to be better than you thought. Stop beating up on Sebastian Legit because he is le legit, and he's better than you think. Now, I, I know that you think he isn't as... Isn't, isn't good enough because he's not in Europe, but he could be if he wanted to be. So let's just, let's just go at that. Is he in the, the perfect environment to become the, what we want him to be? No. But right now, he is a, a wonderful asset going into these World Cup qualifiers. Kellen Acosta will be uh, also a, a piece of that, I think, but we have a good set of players, and I am very, very optimistic in the midst of your pessimism. Uh, that will get nine. Did you hear me? I said nine. Now, when we get to nine, right, and we're sitting at the top of the table, boy, if there's anybody out there that thinks that our manager doesn't know what he's doing, you need to look in the mirror. All right, that's it for this, uh, this, this go around. I want to thank my guest, uh, Jeff Carlisle, who is terrific. You will see that face again on this program. He is my source uh, and a very good friend. I'm, I might even fly up there to the Bay Area to go see some old friends and, and watch the game with them if uh, things get too out of hand. But either way, enjoy the games. Enjoy each other. Be good humans out there, please. Take care of each other. Love each other. And we'll hear you next time. Thanks. <laughs>